First of all, I'd like to say thank you to my subscribers, but more importantly to those that financially support this project. Wherever you are watching this on BitChute, VidMe, Minds, wherever, thanks for your continued support of this channel. When I reached 100,000 subscribers last year, I made a tongue-in-cheek video, allowing my detractors to speak for themselves. Some of them I've become frenemies with, but with most of them I didn't then, nor do I now take them seriously. A lot of the video responses were quite amusing, as were the people that made them. But now that I've reached a quarter of a million subscribers, I'd like to respond to some of my newer detractors. But when it comes to the left, they literally refuse to cover it. So this is an example of that. So in this article, their thesis of the New York Times was that the YouTube is dominated by the right wing. It is preposterous and completely incorrect, as I will show you the numbers in a second. Let me quote the article for you. They say, YouTube is host to just one dominant native political community, the YouTube right. How could you possibly say that with a straight face? Did you not do a single shred of research for this? So. They take, for example, uh, these smaller outlets. I don't. I've never even heard of uh, Black Pigeon Speaks, and they say BPS, Black Pigeon Speaks, has, by any objective standard, a significant and engaged audience at the moment. He has about 215,000 followers, and his uploads have been viewed more than 25 million times. First of all, how did this pretentious and gluttonous man come to think of my year and a half old channel? as a news outlet competing with the slanted news put out on his and why did this lump get so upset as to make a video on Black Pigeon Speaks? And come to think of it, why did the New York Times write an article calling me one of the new faces of the far right? Well, this is a very interesting case on how leftists can go voila, start spewing verbal diarrhea based on written excrement and attempt to pass it off in their echo chambers as being an accurate representation of reality. Neo-Nazi, xenophobic, racist, misogynist. These ists and isms, meant as insults, are the currency with which the far left trade in. But having thrown them around for a half century in an attempt to silence those they disagree with, well, they've quickly lost any impact they might have once had. For those on the extreme left, anyone right of Bernie Sanders is literally Hitler. And if they can't find a Hitler, they'll manufacture one. Fighting these long vanquished foes continually resurrected in an attempt to frame all social issues in black and white terms of good versus evil is what the modern left is all about. While most on the right see the left as basically deluded and having no sense of how things work in the real world, off university campus that is, the world that the far left constructs is ever in need of a reliable enemy with which they can spew their vitriol upon and satiate their searing self-hatred with the reassurance of their own moral posturing being somehow a fight against the forces of evil. That academia is a corrupt echo chamber of the far left and that the legacy media is hopelessly out of touch with the general population isn't exactly news to most people. The former being the full realization of the great march through the institutions that have been thoroughly enveloped by cultural Marxism and the latter being hopelessly corrupted by their own corporate overlords. 
As I've argued before, the mainstream media is hopelessly caught in peddling the narrative of the right versus the left, Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal, white versus black, and its pundits. And talking heads either cannot see past this binary and simplistic way of explaining the world, are too caught up with dog whistling to their perceived audience, or are simply told by management, who themselves are controlled by their corporate owners of what is and not acceptable in terms of topics and how they are framed. Unlike many channels that constantly keep on picking the low fruit of mu-feminism and mu-social justice warriors and repackage it ad nauseum, on my channel I try to at least keep the topics varied, as I have varied interests. I have political videos, but I also have videos on genetics, aircraft carriers, urban planning, animal rights, theology, mythology, LSD, technology, music history, the supernatural, and all kinds of other topics. But none of that matters, because I, along with people like Lauren Southern and a few others, are, according to the New York Times, the faces of the new far right. Wait, what? How does a self-professed agnostic supporter of universal healthcare, vegetarian, animal rights advocate living at the moment by choice in the Far East get labeled the face of the new far right by the New York Times? Well, that's easy. His name is Zach Exley. First, a little bit about Mr. Exley. Previously, he worked at MoveOn.org and then for the presidential campaign of Bernie Sanders before the primaries were rigged by the DNC against him. With Sanders out, Exley had some time on his hands and sought out a fellowship at the Harvard Kennedy School's Shorenstein Center. The fellowship lasted a semester and he was paid $30,000 and given two research assistants for his final 7,000 or so word paper. And the topic of that paper was, drum roll, Black Pigeon Speaks. After the paper, which was penned over the spring semester and published in the summer of 2017, a link was sent to me and I read it with interest because not only did the author actually not contact the subject of his paper, me, once, not once, but much of what was written was basically what Exley had inferred, or more to the point, his projection of a mustache-twirling cartoon-esque villain caricature of what he thinks a conservative is or should be. Exley is firmly ensconced in the right-left narrative and seems to lack perspective as well as nuance. And for this he could be forgiven, as it would appear much of his life has been spent in far-left advocacy groups, as well as in the identity politics-driven Democratic Party. He's the kind of man that takes the world as he sees it, or more importantly, how he is told the world works by a left-leaning academia, the media, and centers of quote-unquote authority. For him, ideas that are either not widely known or understood, or via peer pressure and social taboo not openly accepted, are conspiracies, and he uses this word 16 times in his paper to describe my views on such things as the Federal Reserve and banking cartels manipulating governments and the public for their own profit. Oh, and of course, as well as covering the billionaire George Soros' documented political meddling worldwide. In his world, these things simply cannot and do not exist. Exley is, as evidenced by his ability to write, an educated man, but he's also a man whose thinking is stunted and rooted in the false dichotomy of black and white, good and evil, right and left. As stated, he lacks nuance and would appear to have little in the way of intellectual curiosity or actually listening to what someone has to say in a frank and open manner. Mr. Exley does not hide his own dramatic political bias, to his credit. 
He is in no way, shape, or form a moderate or politically neutral. Thus, he uses the oft overused accusations thrown at anyone to the right of Bernie Sanders that have become so overused as to be pretty much meaningless when he posits that I represent, in his words, a conspiracy-laced, xenophobic, misogynist, anti-elite, anti-Semitic ideology. Wait, what? Anti-elite? This is now an insult hurled by the far left? He might as well have added dastardly Grumbletonian or a skinflint scallywag for good measure. While some of his assertions are accurate, I do believe that there are fundamental differences between the sexes, and it's not misogyny to recognize human diversity in reality. I do believe that Islam is a retrograde force in the world, but I've also stated many times that the first victims of Islam are Muslims themselves. Bizarrely, he states that BPS speaks with a unique sounding voice that some say sounds like a computer. Well, okay, maybe. But these points are not the central core of his thesis. The central core of his paper is that I am a proud and vocal anti-Semite and that I believe Jewish conspiracies are behind everything from cultural Marxism to mass immigration. He states that my videos are proudly anti-Semitic four times and says that I blame the problems of Western civilization on a worldwide Jewish conspiracy 11 times in his paper. First of all, I'm not Jewish, but I of course am acquainted like most with the overrepresentation of Jewish people in the media and banking industries, which at this point in time are a detriment to society. But I'm also aware of the Jewish overrepresentation in Nobel Prize recipients. It's also clear to me that there's a big difference between secular Jews in Israel and in the diaspora. And yes, from what I can tell, Jews do work tribally in the West for their group interests, something Gentiles could learn from. Gentiles could also learn from the patriotism and in-group loyalty that Israelis have and what factors produces the country's healthy birth rate. I'm not for or against Jews any more than I'm for or against all Chinese. I take people individually. Do I think Israel has the right to exist? Yes. Do they have the right to defend themselves? Absolutely. Do I think the Israeli lobby led by AIPAC in Washington is a good thing for America? No, I do not. But my views on most subjects are not monolithic and can change if I'm presented with facts or a better argument. But of the 151 videos spanning 25 hours of material posted at the time of the publishing of Exley's paper, with a central thesis that I'm a loud and proud anti-Semite, all that he could find was this one paragraph in a video detailing debt-backed currency, where Mr. Exley states, BPS sees a Jewish conspiracy behind the scenes controlling the world's banking system. And as proof, he quotes me, the Fed is privately owned and its shareholders are private banks. Who those shareholders are is mostly unknown as this information is made as opaque as possible. However, most investigations by independent researchers all point to the Rothschilds banking dynasty as being the key prime mover. That's it. Seriously, that's it. This one paragraph is the core of Exley's thesis and projection of what he thinks my worldview to be. He then can manufacture the assertion of my proud, unbridled, and frothing at the mouth hatred of Jews. The only other example given in his paper is that I made a video about George Soros, who, by the way, is loathed personally by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and has been labeled by the State of Israel as a threat to the country. In fact, the 
only time I've spoken on Jewish conspiracies in any way was in a video uploaded on the 8th of May, almost two months before Mr. Exley published his deluded and fictitious paper, where I was very clear. None of this presentation is to say that people don't deserve to have their rights, but some rights have in part always been surrendered for the good of the community and to keep it cohesive. The problem is, there is no collective community anymore, only atomized groups that mutually revile each other while having to physically exist in the same space. Having no standards, no agreed upon norms or collective values makes any society so unfortunate to be in this position to basically be maladaptive, and this does not bode well for the future. But this is all part of the same intellectual progression that has gone on for centuries. And to preempt the comment section, liberalism is not some Jewish conspiracy invented by Marcosa and the Frankfurt School in the middle of the 20th century, but is in fact much older and has been metastasizing for centuries, as demonstrated in this video. While it is true that the rot has accelerated thanks to the influence of entities like the Frankfurt School, as well as a media and academia that is disproportionately Jewish, it is a shortcut to thinking by simply throwing up your hands and saying, the Zionists did this. To truly understand the situation the West finds itself in, we need to take a wider look at history. Mr. Exley, in my estimation, is a good person with good intentions, and he seems fairly nice in the exchanges I've since had with him, and I do recommend his channel, link is in the description. But his worldview is typical of the paranoid left and their Pavlovian response to the right, and they're seeing cartoon-esque Hitler villains everywhere and anywhere. Even more interestingly, Exley, while making it clear in his paper that he understands that I've lived most of my adult life in Europe, the Middle East, and the Orient, interestingly slanders me, in his mind, as xenophobic, which is the fear and hatred of strangers or foreigners or anything that is strange and foreign. Having lived in a dozen countries, I would describe myself as a xenophile, actually, and being one, I see the value of different cultures and the need to protect them, which is why I'm concerned over the erasure of Western civilization through a mixture of low native birth rates and massive uncontrolled demographically altering immigration by people from countries and cultures that are profoundly hostile that are currently flooding into the Occident. I would like there to be a Western civilization 100, 200 years from now. If that makes me an ist, an ick, or an ism, so be it. While I will oppose retrograde ideologies, I'm not hostile to any group of people or nationality and enjoy immersing myself in the various cultures that the world has to offer any chance I can get. But none of this really matters when you can just paint someone with your own prejudice and wrap it up in a nice bow to the thunderous applause of the leftist echo chambers of academia and the mainstream media. And the echo chambers were right on cue. Once published, Exley's paper then got picked up by the New York Times in an article entitled, For the New Far Right, YouTube Has Become the New Talk Radio, where all of his assertions were regurgitated as gospel. The New York Times article was then picked up by the ideologically flatulent Turks, but it was one sentence from that article that enraged its host more than anything else. Let me uh, quote the article for you. They say, uh, YouTube is host to just one dominant native political community, the YouTube right. How could you possibly say that with a straight face? Did you not? And of course, he went on to make his video and now another 
hit piece where Exley's paper is taken as legitimate scholarship and is linked to several times has been published, and this time by Right Wing Watch, who gets most of its funding from, and I'm not making this up, unironically, the Right Wing Watch is bankrolled by, that's right, George Soros. In that article, I am the first extremist using YouTube to get famous described, and Exley's binary description is lifted word for word. And the author, the literary genius Jared Holt, writing the hit piece, even misspells pigeon several times. My extremist views are listed as his belief that empowered women destroy civilizations, transgender people are mentally ill, and efforts for diversity erase Western cultures. And then, like so many other hit pieces, there's no argument about the ideas. The author just types up broad titles for very in-depth concepts, and then expects his audience to be made livid by his manufactured moral outrage porn. There's no rebuttal, no nuance. Yes, patriarchy is stronger and more durable. Yes, gender and body dysphoria needs to be treated with help and compassion, and yes, Diversity is erasing Western civilization, one block, street, town, city, province, state, and country at a time. So to summarize, if you can get a hit piece published at Harvard based on assumption and projection and not on anything actually concrete, it can then be picked up by legacy media outlets like the New York Times and then punted over to leftist propaganda channels like the Young Turks who whine and complain that the New York Times won't give them any attention. And then finally, you can end up on some George Soros funded watch list, all for talking about the Federal Reserve and, well, George Soros, and the legacy media wonder why nobody trusts journalists or their outlets anymore. I guess getting flack from Harvard, the New York Times, and the George Soros-funded psyops is a step in the right direction because getting this kind of pushback must mean I'm doing something right. In fact, I am one of only 10 channels, Bill Maher, who I mostly disagree with, by the way, but in my estimation is the only uncucked late-night host left when it comes to opposing intolerant ideologies, well, he's subbed to my channel. I imagine one of his underlings are looking for talking points. I could have really have helped him in his recent debate vis-a-vis -vis the IRA and religious extremism. But anyway, this is the state of my detractors and hopefully I'll have more and interesting and egregious stories to tell you when I hit 500,000. Again, thank you to all of my subscribers and especially those that support this channel. My appreciation and my humble gratitude. Be well.